copy of everything, and sometimes we feel like we don't really have much to give you. But Lord, what we do have to give, we pray that you would ask for it. We pray that you would receive it. And God, we ask that we'd be able to give it by faith, that, that you want what we have to give. So Lord, we give you our lives, we give you our praise, we give you our time, we give you our worry, uh, we give you whatever we've been holding on to in life because you are worthy of all of it. So God, show us what more we can give to you so that you can fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this time. And Lord, we pray that as we move into this time of reading the scripture and preaching, that you would bless our time, that we would hear what you have to say, uh, that we would listen to you, Lord, in this time. And we pray that all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the scripture we have in front of us here today is John chapter 20. John 20, verses 24 through 31. So that is John 20, verses, uh, I gotta look again, <laughs> 24 to 31. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not, are not recorded in, in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Um, what if I stood up here today, and I announced to all of you that I was taking a walk in the woods, uh, you know, in, in one of the sets of trails we have around here, and I told you I saw Bigfoot. <laughs> I, sorry, I just love, I already heard sneers before I could even, you know, get the question mark out of my mouth. I, I could feel a lot of you, oh yeah, right, okay. Uh, well, the reason I ask that is, I've told you my wife and I get into weird TV shows. If you had asked me a week ago if I believed in the existence of Bigfoot, I would have said immediately, no, it's, it's all an urban legend, it's a myth. It all comes from the pioneer days and the settling days when you would just say you saw something and come up with this big figure. And we've got them all over America, all over North America. There's different legends that you go out into the woods and you see these creatures, and Bigfoot is just one of them. And then something happened. I didn't see Bigfoot, don't worry. But we were watching a TV show, and, and there was somebody, his name is Les Stroud. Does anybody know the Survivor Man on Discovery? 
Uh, great show. Les Stroud is this survivor expert, and he started a show about 15 years ago where he would go in the woods or, or some terrain that was dense, uh, not densely populated, very rural, and he would survive by himself for 10 days. And this man is incredible. He is just, he's outstanding. He researches the area. He goes out alone. He doesn't have a camera crew. He takes a camera by himself, and he documents, this is how you survive. And he'll show, okay, I've done the research, and you can eat this plant, and you can't eat that plant. And, and he's done the research. I know that there's these type of bears in this woods, so I need to make my shelter in this way. And I know I can fish in this river. You, you see what I mean? Like, he's just, he's brilliant. Well, then he came out with a show where he was searching for Bigfoot. And I said, hold on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is Les Stroud we're talking here. This man is a genius. Does he believe in Bigfoot? And he even says in the TV show, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but there's been a lot of eyewitnesses. I want to see if he exists. Now, what happened between last week and this week that all of a sudden I've become skeptical of my own skepticism about Bigfoot. Well, the person that I admire the most is all of a sudden doing a TV show about Bigfoot. All of a sudden, my mind has changed just a little bit. Do I believe in Bigfoot? No. Does it matter if you believe in Bigfoot? Not at all. We might have a few things to talk about, and, you know, I, I might not go walking in the woods with you anytime soon. But the point I'm getting at is I started to ask myself this week, why do we doubt? Why, why do we oftentimes put news or news that people share into question? What, what is the reason doubt arises in our life? And I started to realize that there's probably three areas that we tend to address when it comes to doubt. And those three areas are, for one, we just don't believe the news. Somebody said they saw a UFO. It's just hard for us to believe that there's aliens. It's hard for us to believe that there's Bigfoot. It's hard to believe that you caught a fish this big with nothing but your bare hands, okay? The spectrum is wide. There's just sometimes news that we hear that we don't believe, and it's because the news itself seems rather unbelievable. So it's the news we hear. Maybe it's the testimony of the person that's giving the news. Have you ran into that before? You start to find that there's only one person that always tells tall tales. It, I, I'm sure you've been there. You've, you've went and you've had coffee with a bunch of men after hunting season, haven't you? Those are some tall tales you'll hear of the massive buck. I could have gotten a shot, but you know, I just didn't want to take away from God's nature. And you're sitting there like, I don't think you saw anything this year. So sometimes it's the testimony of the person. And it can work the other way around where, where it's actually the testimony of the person that maybe you do believe. This is a trustworthy source. Maybe I'll go down this road. And then the third reason we tend to doubt is we want to see the experience for ourselves. Uh, it's not enough that we hear the news. It's not enough that it comes from a trustworthy source. But we actually want to see it for ourselves. We want the same experience before we believe. Now, is this sermon about Bigfoot or tall tales? No, not at all. I don't care if you believe in Bigfoot. It has nothing to do with, with our salvation. But it got me to thinking about Thomas and what he went through when the disciples claimed that they saw the resurrected Lord. 
So we're here sometime in this passage after Jesus has risen from the dead and, and he miraculously begins to appear before his disciples. And we see this post-resurrection in the Gospels where he visits his disciples, whether it's the 12 that he chose or he begins to visit some of the disciples that were following Jesus along the way. We see this, the road to Emmaus in, in the book of Luke. Uh, we see just before this passage, he visits with Mary Magdalene in the garden. And then again, just before this passage, he appears to some of his disciples. And when he appears to them, it's interesting, he shows them the nail marks in his hands and the wound in his side. He shows them, this is me, I am here before you. And they believe, and he breathes on the disciples the Spirit of God and gives them authority as apostles. He gives them authority as leaders of the church. And so when this happens to the disciples, they're ecstatic. They, they want to tell others. And also, I would like to point out, whenever Jesus, whenever Jesus appears with somebody after his resurrection, they immediately want to go and tell other people. This is the power of the resurrection. It's the power of meeting with God and having a relationship with God. There's something that dwells inside of you that you want to get out and let others know about. And the disciples want to do this. So they see Thomas, and they tell Thomas, we saw the resurrected Lord. We saw Jesus. And what does Thomas say? He says, I don't believe you. And, and you pause for a moment, and you sort of wonder, why wouldn't Thomas believe the disciples? What, what's the issue here? He's lived with them for three years. I don't know. Maybe he's always been a doubtful, doubtful person. Maybe he's always skeptical. Maybe there's something within the group dynamic that, that Thomas is the one that always questions things. We're not quite sure why he questions, but we do know that he's doubtful. And, and he says to the disciples, listen, I don't believe you. And not only does he establish, I don't believe you, he establishes a reason for his belief. So he says, I will believe you if I too see the resurrected Lord. And not only do I see the resurrected Lord, but I see the marks in his hands and I feel the wound in his side. Then I'll believe that what you saw is truly real. And there's some scholars that wonder, maybe Thomas thinks that the disciples were dreaming. Maybe, maybe the disciples had a vision of Jesus, but Jesus hadn't really visited. Whatever the case, Thomas establishes to the disciples, I don't believe the news that you share, and if I'm going to believe it, I want to experience the same experience that you had in this place. Well, a week goes by, and the disciples are still gathered together, and Jesus comes. And what's, what's really amazing is, you know, Jesus doesn't knock on the door. In fact, it, they say he doesn't even open the door. The doors are locked. The doors are shut, the windows are shut, the doors are locked, and Jesus just appears before them and says, peace be with you. It, it's sort of a, a, a way that the Jews would greet one another, but it's also a way that angels would greet God's people. Don't be afraid. Be, be at peace in your heart. This is from the Lord. When Jesus appears out of nowhere, he says to them, it's me. It's his proclamation sort of to the disciples, this isn't a vision. This isn't fake. You're not daydreaming. This is me. And what's, what's 
really humbling is he immediately turns to Thomas. So he immediately goes to Thomas. And I, I don't, you, you all have been to school, right? Remember when something happened in the class and it just happened to be you and the teacher pointed it out? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, I, I see one hand. Thank you for that. Well, if that's never happened to you, let me tell you, that is the most embarrassing experience. When you say something and the teacher hears it, and it's like the sea divides among the students, and it's just you and the teacher, and the teacher knows that you're the one who said it or did it or whatever, that's sort of what Thomas is going through here. You've got the room full of disciples that have seen Jesus, that believe Jesus, and then all of a sudden the room divides, and there's Thomas just sitting there. (laughs) And Jesus walks right up to him, and he addresses the issue that Thomas has in his heart. And he says to Thomas, here, do you see the scars in my hands? Do you see what I have? Do you feel the wound in my side? And it's a humbling moment because this is the very thing that Thomas said would have to happen for him to believe that Jesus really was alive and walking around. And Jesus immediately addresses that. It's a humbling moment because I think for Thomas, there might have been that that realization that what he saw in front of him really was the presence of God. It was probably for Thomas that in that moment, he didn't have to feel the nail scars or the wound in Jesus' side, but rather he saw Jesus, he knew this was a resurrected Lord, and he believed. But Jesus went a step further and said, no, let me address the doubts that you've had feel what you said you needed to feel to believe. And then Jesus gives a blessing. And and this is a really interesting way that he gives the blessing because he says to Thomas, uh, you have believed because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We tend to take this as contrasting statements, okay? We tend to read this, at, at least I always did growing up, that what Jesus is telling Thomas is, oh, poor Thomas, you didn't believe in me, but there are going to be a lot of people that will, and I just wish you would have been like everybody else. Thomas, I wish you would have just believed without seeing me, because everybody else that, that, that will hear about me, they won't get to see me, Thomas, and you had a chance to believe, and you didn't believe. That's how I always read that passage, but I realized Jesus isn't speaking that way. Jesus is just stating a matter of fact to Thomas. You have not believed until you have seen me. And then he's making a blessing over you and I today. Not just you and I, but all the Christians that came before us, that came after Thomas and the apostles when they began to preach uh, the gospel and began to tell others about Jesus. Did they get to see Jesus? Have we been able to see him? No. But what have we done? We've come to a belief in Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus is giving to Thomas is a statement of fact. You've not believed until you've seen me. But there are many who will come after you that won't get to see me, and they will be able to believe in me. Here's why I think that passage should be read that way. If you go to Mark chapter 16, verse 11, Mary Magdalene visits with Jesus in the garden. All right, we see that earlier in this chapter, chapter 20 of John. 
And when Mary is in the garden, Jesus appears to her, and she doesn't recognize him at first. And then when she recognizes him, she calls out to him, Rabboni, my teacher. And what happens? She goes back to tell the disciples that she had seen the resurrected Lord. And in Mark 16, 11, what does it say? The disciples didn't believe her. So Mary comes with a testimony of the resurrected Lord. The disciples don't believe until they see the resurrected Lord and he shows them the wounds in his hand, the wounds in his side. Then they believe and then he pours out the Spirit on them. Thomas goes through the same exact issues of doubt as the disciples went through. Thomas doesn't believe. He wants the same experience that they have. And when Jesus shows up, he gives them that same experience. But then he states the fact that when he ascends into heaven, people like you and I aren't going to be able to see him physically, but we're somehow going to come to a miraculous faith in him. How does this occur? Well, it occurs through the Holy Spirit. As you read in the beginning of Acts, Acts 1 and 2, when the disciples are praying with one another, the Holy Spirit comes on them. And, and remember the, the presence of God, when that's in our hearts, we want to tell everybody. The apostles go out in the streets and they start preaching the word to everybody to the point that people say, oh man, are they drunk already? But no, it's the Holy Spirit. And people come to a belief in Jesus. Is it because they've seen the resurrected Jesus? No, it's because God has given a blessing over the words that we preach to others. That is to say, when we preach the gospel to other people, whenever we speak about Jesus, the presence of Jesus is in that room. I want to say that one more time for anybody that's, that's struggling with that idea, whenever, wherever, to whoever you speak the name of Jesus, Jesus is right there with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he is right there speaking through you, alongside of you, to the person that you're with. Now that person may experience some doubts, Maybe they're in a situation where they're not ready to believe the words that you say. It doesn't mean that Jesus Christ is not present. It simply means that their hearts have not been made ready to receive the word of God. Here's the point of this whole passage. As we see later at the end of this chapter, John writes to us, I have written these miracles. I have written this story. I have written the book of John so that you would believe. And how many of us are here because of ourselves? Anybody? Anybody come to salvation by yourself? None of us. We've all come to salvation because another Christian has shared the gospel with us or we've read the scriptures ourselves, which, by the way, God used men to write the scripture. So as we're reading the scripture, God is using people. God is speaking to us. Our testimony of belief has come through others. Which means the blessing that God gave over Thomas and the apostles that many would come to salvation is true. We are here because somebody has preached the gospel to us and we believed. Now, where do we go with this? Where, where do we continue on from here? 
Well, there's two points I think we can walk away with in this passage. The first is, for anybody here that's struggling with doubt, Jesus will come. Whatever situation you're in, maybe you've had a really long and prosperous Christian life, but now the best way you can describe where you're at is you're in a valley. Uh, You haven't heard from God, you haven't spoken to God in a while, and now you're beginning to have your doubts. Now you're starting to wonder, am I still a Christian? Do I still believe in these things? Well, the story that we have here is very simple. God is still with you. The presence of Jesus is still in your life. What can you do about it? Well, for one, continue to read the scriptures. As John writes at the end of this, of this chapter, uh, verse 31, he says, the scriptures have been written so that you would believe. The scriptures have been written so that when you read it, the presence of God is there with you. And I'll be honest, there's moments that I read scripture and I walk away and I go, well, what was that about? <laughs> I read it and I go, that doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. God is still with me when I read it. Maybe I'll read it again and it'll begin to come clear. But the point is, as we read the scripture, God's presence is there so that whatever doubts we have in life may be done away with. And the presence of God would reveal himself to us. So if you're struggling with doubts, continue reading in scripture. Continue the life of prayer even if it's mechanical prayers, even if you're not sure what to pray and so you have a prayer book and you just read some prayers, I highly suggest use the book of Psalms. If you're having trouble with your prayer life, go to the book of Psalms uh, and just read the Psalms out loud. That becomes your prayer. Whatever you do, stay in communication with God. Let him know the struggle that you have. And finally, be with other Christians. Don't be afraid to ask other Christians what their testimony is. I, <laughs> I used to, uh, the, the first ministry experience um, uh, I ever had was being a, a youth leader for my dad's church. And, and I started working under the current youth pastor. And I was in college and, and, and I asked, hey, can I help out with youth group? Can you show me how to minister? So he let me do that. And so the first night, I mean, I'm ready. I've got my gym shorts on. All right, I had plenty of water, it's a hot day, and I am ready to play basketball for one hour. Because that's what youth group is about, isn't it? Playing basketball for an hour, and then at some point we get a pizza party. So I'm ready to do youth group, and my youth pastor says to some of the kids that are there, hey, this is Josh, he just got out of the youth group. Uh, He's going to help us this evening. Um, Josh, go ahead and give your testimony as to when you became a Christian. Oh, (laughs) I wasn't ready for the tough questions. All of a sudden, on the spot, I had to give my story of salvation. But you know what was amazing? I could do it. I didn't prepare for it. I just told the story. When did I first get saved? When, When did I first come to a belief in Jesus Christ? How did that occur? Be with other Christians and ask them for their salvation story. Ask them, why do you believe? When did you begin to believe? How did God get a hold of you? And it's amazing how that testimony will begin to strengthen you in your doubts because you'll begin to realize other people have experienced the presence of God just like you have. And what you've experienced is true. What you've experienced is real. 
So continue in the scriptures, continue in prayer, continue to be with other Christians and ask for their testimonies. The final point is what do we do with people that we're friends with, that we're connected to, and they still don't believe? Many of us have had those friends. Many of us still have those friends. I've actually been amazed the number of people that I went to high school and college with that used to believe and no longer believe or have never believed and still don't believe. What do we do with those people? Well, first of all, it's not our job to make others believe. And and I hope for, for some of us here, that's a relief that you feel. If you're connected with somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus... It's not your job to make them believe. It's only your job to share with them what you believe. Your job is simply, so I've heard it put this way. Let me put it in this perspective. Um, In a court case, you have a judge, right? You have attorneys, you have the prosecution, you have the defense. And the judge is supposed to make sure that everything is done according to the law. And then you have the lawyers that give their prosecution, this is why this person is guilty. Or the defense, this is why this person is is, uh, innocent. Our job as Christians is not to be the judge. We're not to be the prosecutor. We're not to, to be the defense attorney. We are simply a witness in the case. A witness doesn't say whether a person is guilty or innocent. A witness answers questions as to what they saw and what they believe. We as Christians only have to provide a witness to those that are around us. Hey, I I don't know if I can answer your questions about doubt, but here's how I tell you I became a Christian. This is what I believe, and God will be there with you. And also... Another point to this is God is always working on people in different ways that we can't see. So there's some people that we have as friends or family members that still have their doubts. They still don't believe in Jesus. Rest assured, God is still working on them. God is working in their life, and he's using you, by the way. He's using you in their life for them to believe. But if they don't believe yet, rest assured, it's not your job to make them believe. It's only your job to share with them the witness that you have in your life. So as we leave this place, as we go back into the world, as we enter into our jobs, we go back to school, our prayer is that God would lead us to those places where we can share our testimony. Our prayer today is that for anybody here that's struggling with doubt, that's struggling in their Christian life, God would give you the strength to believe that God would meet with you in this place. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the presence that you give us, and we thank you for uh, the ability to, to speak the truth, the ability to share the gospel with all of those around us. And so, Lord, we pray for all of those people that don't know you yet. Uh, that are in our lives, our friends, our family members, our co-workers. We pray that you would meet with them, and even this week, we would be able to share the gospel with them, and they would come to a point of belief that you would be working on them ahead of us. And Lord, for anybody here 
that's been struggling with doubt, that's been struggling with issues in their belief in you, we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. We pray, God, that you would meet with them in such a real way that they would feel like they touched your nail-scarred hands and the wound in your side. Lord, we pray that other Christians would surround them and give them the peace that they need and the testimony that they need. So, Lord, we pray, as always, that you would go before us, that you would be with us wherever we go. Amen.